I'm mm. coming from a post-Soviet country. I'm originally Ukrainian, but uh, I, I I was born in independent Ukraine, but I do know that back in the days, my parents and my grandparents, the way mm. they were recognized or paid, they were paid in coupons or vouchers. Roll where you'd, yeah, you could, I mean, of course there would be like a small cash elements, but because it was like a, a deficit of, of quite a lot of products that we uh, seem absolutely normal now, such as bananas, because it would have to be imported to us, like from some other okay. thousand countries. So if the bananas would arrive, it would be like once a week on the market, there would be large queues and some organization as a reward that gives yeah. a voucher for a banana. Welcome to your favorite voice of business psychology, the Psych and Success Podcast. I am your host, Pratika Kashyap. So today, we are chatting with Maria, an incredibly dynamic HR expert who has journeyed from Ukraine through the UK and now making waves in Dubai. She is reinventing the game in the HR, bending global insights with innovative reward strategies. Think cryptocurrency in compensation, new age hiring and even creating a workplace culture where everyone feels valued. Her story is about more than just talent management. It's about persistence, adaptability, and the future of work. Let's tune in and get ready to be amazed. Hi, Maria. Welcome to the podcast, Psych and Success, the Gen Z edition. Thank you so much for inviting me today. So when I first had a conversation with you, it was so exciting. I mean, I had a lot of fun. And more than that, I saw a lot of, you know, a sense of enterprising and edgy you. And I love the insights that you had, the fun in the conversation. It was, I didn't feel like we were talking for the first time. And that is why I wanted you to be on the podcast. And I'm glad that you're here today. So why don't you introduce yourself? Tell a bit of your journey, your edginess to our listeners. <laughs> edginess, I love it. Well, um, thank you again for having me. So um, I'm Maria. Um, I've moved to Dubai about one year and a half ago. I work in a space of which are primarily in talent and rewards. I have about 12 years of experience and my career started back in London when I was working at Aeon for about seven years. I moved to Mercer in a reward and talent consulting department, um, advised multiple uh, big, large, small corporations, family offices, uh, everyone from financial services industry to a, a small uh, startup or tech organization. Okay. So, and yeah, it was exciting opportunity for me to come to Dubai um, uh, on a position of a global head of talent and reward in my current organization. And uh, well, I'm really happy here. So I hope that I will be able to share some insights with you today. Of course. So I would want to know because because when you were talking last time, you mentioned that you have had role changes where you started uh, your studies from finance, isn't it? And then now you're working as an HR in rewards and talent. So how do you think that your um, enterprisingness, do you have a story that you would want to share that how has that helped you and rewarded you in your own journey? True, true. Yeah, so um, I, uh, well, I, I left Ukraine when I was 16 Okay. to study in London. Mm. I went to college and then I moved to Cass Business School. My degree was investment and financial risk management. Right. And uh, a little unfortunate incident actually happened to me. I decided to explore the world and have yeah. taken a second year of study abroad through Erasmus program and oh. I went to Italy to Bocconi University. Okay. Little did I know, and actually that's something that I guess many students who will follow a similar journey like mine need to be mindful of is the yeah. fact that not every single country in the university system counts the grades in the same way. So long story short, my second year um, did disappoint me a little bit because I didn't have enough grades afterwards to go and start working in a, one of the largest retail banks back then in UK who has given me an offer to join them after my graduation. Oh my So yeah. I know the offer was conditional upon a specific level of grades, which I couldn't obtain. And um, being a student on a student visa, I had only 60 days to find another job in London. Otherwise, I would have to leave the country. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. And then you managed. 
I did well, and actually there is this one person um, who played a crucial um, role in my life. Her name is Anna. She was looking for a Russian-speaking reward analyst at Aon in in a, in a sort of like financial services arm of Aon. The company um, was called McLagan. Okay. And um, we hit it off, and she actually um, gave me an offer, and I I entered Aon without going through the graduate program, and just my language skill, I guess, was the key for them in, in, in the hiring decision. So I was really lucky, and yep. back then it, it took about 30 days to issue visa, so... It it was a bit of a miracle, I think. But but hats off to you to land a job because I understand the pain. Uh, to look for a job as an outsider in the UK, it is not easy. It was so it was a bit of a miracle, I think. But I think miracle happens to those who are working hard towards them. So absolutely, um, yeah. Uh, so that's that's how my journey started in 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 the chart space and okay. in consulting. And to be honest, when I just was. Uh, when when I came for an interview, mm. I mean, you have just competency-based questions. You don't really have a technical uh, questions when you're applying for an analyst. Right. So I think uh, Anna found me uh, to be competent and uh, perhaps um, a great learner. So she she has given me a chance. And I um, remember coming on my first day like, mm. without knowing what it is. And only after I joined, I've actually realized that this is a child consulting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and actually, in 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 that matter was reward consulting. So your raise compensation data was like absolutely lost. Oh, how did you manage to go through? It was just on the job that you were learning all through your. I mean, yeah, I stayed in to speaking absolute like you know totally honesty, honestly. Um, my main goal was to stay in UK. Rather than to find a job, so and obviously to stay in UK, uh, having some money to to be able to support my lifestyle. So okay. that's how my journey started. And that's then, so yeah. interesting to know. Even I, okay, I did not know about this. So yeah, and you know because you have, I mean, you have lived you are uh, in Ukraine, and then as you, when you were sixteen, you moved to the UK, and now you are in Dubai, and you have experience of. You know, different regional experiences as well. Yeah. So do you think or have you noticed that they have been in HR or in reward recognition, reward and talent? Have you seen any difference with region, a region or uh, people of different coming from different cultures? Have they been um, expecting different things? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and... <laughs> Shall I extrapolate? Yes, please. That is what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> All right, sure. So um, even before I came to Dubai, I um, I was lucky enough to work with multinational firms when I was a consultant in my previous life. And hmm. I was lucky enough to deliver projects across um, multiple different regions and to learn hmm. um, back in the days on what sort of expectations are in terms of compensation and in terms of well, actually, employer value proposition, basically what employer can offer you, can offer people, right? Like yeah. to make sure that um, you can thrive um, in an organization. Mm. So I I have noticed some um, some significant differences, perhaps not in the way that the reward is being administered, but in a way it's being perceived. So, and per- we are talking about perception when it comes to you as an employee or mm-hmm. to, to a workforce because as an employer, yeah. I'll give a salary, I'll give a bonus, I'll give benefits and whatever. I will follow the trends that are specific to that location. But as an employee in different countries, you will perceive and perhaps prefer mm. different recognition and reward elements. So in some cultures where that, that are a little bit more traditional, Mm. that are a bit more perhaps uh, a- around Eastern mentality of mm. if you look if you're looking at the at the map, you yeah. would prefer more certainty, more fixed pay, which means mm. more more like like you know, like a st- stability within salary. Right. Well Western world yeah. that is sort of we will call it a developed practices in there. So would already move to um higher proportions of variable pay, like a bit more performance-driven cultures. So you'd pay for performance using a variety of tools, including bonuses or 
um, like recognition payments, etc., as well as benefits. Uh-huh. So it it differs a lot. And in Dubai, me being an employee myself here, as mm. well as a head of reward in a large organization, um, the allowances and variety yeah. of perks are actually do seem to work um, for the magic. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting to know. So how would you define rewards and recognition? And, um, you know, some people call it compensation and benefits. Um, you are into rewards and recognition. So how is it different? Uh, or is it the same, yeah. the name difference? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's actually a good question. So, um, yeah, there are, right, there are titles. Um, I thought about it the other day, like okay. um, head of comp and ban or head of reward. My title is head of reward. Yes. But I actually prefer it. In my, in my mind, hmm. uh, maybe it sounds silly, but like reward sounds a bit more positive than compensation. Yep. Compensating someone for the job they're doing, it's, it's quite neutral while rewarding someone or thanking someone, recognizing someone for their efforts has a little bit different meaning to it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not a native English speaker, but to me, at least, that's how it sounds. No, so. no. So, I mean, even for me, English is my second language. And compensation for me would be, you know, I I did this for you. You give me back. Uh, you exactly compensate me. Like, Just give it, yeah. take, take. Yeah. And reward is, you know, you have done something great. We are putting you on the pedestal and we are rewarding you. Yeah. Exactly. So that That's was quite, quite, quite a good way to put it. I, I really like it. <laughs> so, so it's it's um also interesting, you know, how you have mentioned that with region, the mindset and the psychology of people, of employees, how it changed. So have you also noticed or rather let's let's first talk about how have you noticed the rewards and recognition or rewards of talent? Um evolving with time because you have I believe a decade of experience already mm-hmm. so how have you seen it evolving to be frank um not much mm-hmm. um it didn't change that drastically that some of other um disciplines have changed or mm-hmm. how um you know economic turmoils since 2008 or um more recent uh, COVID, uh, right, have, has affected a variety of things. Rewards were affected, but I would expect more drastic changes that have happened. So actually, that's, that's a really good question. I am now a um, member hmm. in this new movement. It's called Total Rewards 2050. Okay. And um, this is a movement where we, all of us, global heads of reward, we come together under the same umbrella and we discuss the future of rewards. So that's why it's called Total Rewards 2050 on what do we believe yeah. rewards will be like in 2050? Are they going to be more wow. flexible? Will people still be, I mean, as futuristic as like, are we still going to receive salaries or is it going to be something else? And the thing is that it's all in our hands. So Global Heads of Reward from some of the largest organizations in the world go together to just like, it's, it's a think tank to brainstorm and to test some of the ideas together. Because it's always That's very, easy. yeah, it's it's difficult to be the first one um, on the market to introduce a change because first of all, once you, when you're alone, it's going to be insignificant. And second of all, if you fail, you fail big, and if you win, you win small. So we've decided that there are some of the theories that we come up with and some of the, well, potential methodologies that we would like to test, and we all split it, and we all test just tiny little parts in our organizations that yeah. couldn't create a, a huge chaos, and then we share our findings, and perhaps we'll be able to come up with something that yeah. will be an absolute necessity in terms of rewards across all employees. It's it's like you know, it's like you you go to I'll just you know I'll I'll explain in the simpler words. Mm-hmm. Like right now, the part of your contract needs to have what holidays, salary. I don't know maybe like some sort of like bonus target, like right. private medical insurance, like whatever. Like some something that is like has been like this for ages now, for decades. Mm-hmm. And if some of the theories that we are thinking 
in terms of like flexibility, et cetera, will work, then perhaps we will not even be able to attract talent anymore in 20 years from now yep. without having some of those like new futuristic things Absolutely. as part of our offer. Right, because how the world is evolving, the corporate setup is evolving and the employee's mindset is changing so much with flexibility. Exactly. And generational um, needs, and I know that we will be talking about Gen Z later on, um, are also changing the way we are looking at, at the way we offer reward packages and um, coming back actually to your question in terms of changes the only the significant change that i have seen and not in all locations but in those who are heavy, which are heavily regulated and primarily in financial services the changes in rewards were normally driven by legislation so some things that companies had to do or wanted to do oh. so it's like i'll tell you well you know you're not allowed to pay mm. um crazy bonuses to your traders any longer so this is a cap. This is how we have to uh, pay them from now on, etc. So when, once the regulator tells you this, and you have, I mean, you have like a little options to be able to recreate some of the uh, packages. It's still, it's not a drastic change, such as like new pay elements have appeared, or right. uh, people suddenly um, became, you know, like more enthusiastic about imagine like something, some concept of a flexible salary. <laughs> right, so yeah, that's so quite so. It's very, and also the change has been very industry based, isn't it? Then, yeah, so it's a general industry. And whenever I speak about general industry, I mean non financial services and non tech organizations because they mm. would normally have, um, uh, sometimes uh, you know, either like equity payments or uh, okay, uh, some, some, some regulatory, um, yeah, uh, things that we need to uh, consider, but um. With the general industry, not much has been changed. Yes, the benefits became a bit more flexible. Rich organizations can, which can afford some right. nice HRIS systems and mm. um, great, you know, like uh, advanced technology platforms, yeah. are able to offer more choices to their employees. So it's all about choice and flexibility. But mm. in my mind, it didn't change as it should have changed. And maybe some of my peers will think differently, but that's just something so my opinion. What do you think? Because it will be very, um, you know refreshing for um, the audience for me as well to understand that how as an HR person a person who has spent a long time in this industry how do you think the change should be and what all things that you think that you know will help with employee retention will help in um, you know keeping the talent in place what what according to you would have had good impact yeah so there are three key concepts probably that I strongly believe in. First one is called pay for skills. So I do believe that um, people shouldn't be paid for the jobs that they're doing, but they should be paid for the potentials and for the skills that they bring to the company. And this will be probably quite aligned with maybe Gen Z expectations as well. And I would want to know, to hear your opinion on this. So the pay for skills concept in a very simple terms, if you come and you are a, a finance analyst in a company, yeah. you your job description is one thing, but you mm. can have a skill set of uh, perhaps like accounting and some other disciplines within mm. finance that are non, non-generalist ones. So if you are in a reporting team, but you can uh, perhaps as well uh, move into accounting team or uh, internal audit or mm. and, and, and maybe even as crazy as moving absolutely different business units and suddenly performing yeah. with communications and brand teams like, like why not right so maybe at some point at the emergency or non-emergency point whenever i need you to exercise those skills into action mm, right. to deploy your skills into action excuse me then you would i would pay you for those mm. skills up front even though you'll be higher paid than the other finance analyst that doesn't have those extra skills mm. but it will be efficient for me to have you with me on board because in case I need to deploy your skills urgently, I have you and I'll be able to select you from day one and mm. like I, I'm paying for the luxury of having those skills in my organization rather than looking for the right person for three months to hire someone else or outsourcing, um, etc. So pay for skills from a conceptual view, I think that's the future. Um, second part is, um, the flexibility. So flexibility in terms of rewards, I think it, it started already, but I think it will only evolve. 
Okay. And when we're talking about flexibility, it's almost giving people a choice. Mm-hmm. But for this, we need to have um, necessary technology platforms that can support some right. of those ideas. But it's giving people a choice to select how they want to be paid. So it's almost if I'm giving you a, a salary of one hundred dollars. Yeah. Uh, within some limitations, you'll be able to select. Well, do you want to be paid sixty dollars in salary, twenty in bonus, and twenty in benefits, or maybe because you're closer to retirement age, you would want to mm-hmm. give more into pensions and contributions. So you're sort of like non-fixed pay, non-variable pay chunk mm-hmm. could be increased. So you could, you could create your own basket. So is he based on the budget? Is that is that not there yet for at least for the retain, uh, at least for the retirement? It is. It is. See, uh, to some extent, it is, but it is not. It's not yet been adopted in many organizations. But as as I said, many organizations yeah. might want to do it, but for some organizations, uh, it might not be their philosophy because that's mm-hmm. also a little bit more difficult to administer more difficult to budget when you have flexible packages. So it's easier to budget the salaries uh, based on your headcount, et cetera. And uh, well, you frankly need a very expensive technology to support that. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you have multinational firms and you need to give all people access into Mm. um, uh, the necessary platforms and yeah. Yeah, yeah. So have you, since we are talking about different generations, have you also noticed a difference in the expectations of you know, multi-generational employees. So people who are already in the business since ages, like 20, 25 years, and person who is a fresher just coming in with his or her own new skills and values and everything. Have you seen a difference in how they perceive rewards and recognition? Actually, you know, this, yes, I've seen the difference. The difference is huge. Generational difference is huge in terms of perception and also the regional and cultural as well. Um, in June, I was uh, traveling around over European sites and um, I was uh, facilitating focus groups okay. across diverse range of our employees. So I work right now in organizations that is a uh, global market leader in steel production. Mm-hmm. And so in our, in European sites, we've had well, our steel plants, basically, and we would interview some blue collars, white collars, youngsters, older generation. Mm-hmm. We'd ask them questions about what do you think needs to be improved, etc. Mm-hmm. And some of the findings that I've seen that even depending on different country, mm-hmm. the answers would be different. So in some countries, depending mm-hmm. on the culture, yeah. you'd see all the generations actually providing a safe environment and psychological support for mm-hmm. younger generation to be able to thrive and they're working harder to ensure that they have successors in place and that the future generation actually does know how to perform the job and especially knows how to perform the job of the future because obviously mm-hmm. the industry changes as well. And in other locations, you'd see actually absolute lack and a lack of um, know-how transfer from older mm-hmm. generation to younger one. And there are like some cultural right. pieces that are involved into that where, um, you know, I, I have personally received complaints when um, younger guys who are like radio apprentices uh, would say like, well, Every time I would like to get involved in the project, yeah. uh, my manager would tell me, uh, who is like much older, mm. uh, would tell me, well, you need to learn and then you'll be able to work on a project. And then uh-huh. the, the, yeah. the question is, when will they learn and how will they learn if they're not allowed to participate? So, oh, that's, that's, yeah. that's a huge lag there. There's a bridge. That's what we, that's, that's our job. That's actually our job right now. That that's a priority for us to be able to to bridge the gap. And it's not actually a priority only of HR professionals. Executives are heavily involved in succession planning. I mean, workforce planning right now. So that's actually one of the latest um, Mercer studies. They are issuing wonderful global talent trends every year. Okay. They did mention that actually workforce planning is on the top of the minds of the executives because they've, mm. they've interviewed plenty from from the clients all over the world. So, and if this is an issue, unfortunately, a lot of organizations are thinking about tackling it, but not many are doing something about it. So we still have these like intergenerational gaps that we have to uh, fulfill 
Right. And when it comes to also recognition, we have mm. to acknowledge the fact that uh, when we are, well, the future leaders of tomorrow, yep. for now, it will be Gen Z. So in about mm. like 20, in, um, you know, in, in, in 20 years from now, yeah. they will be our executive team. And, and 20 years will go really fast. Yep, so yep. In 20 years, will be will we, we, we'll happen tomorrow, you know. Yes. So, and the world will change. Exactly. Like, and we don't really have that much time to be, and we need to come up with some mechanisms that, we do not only adjust to the new generation, but that the other generation will adjust to the followers. So we need to to have the world moving faster and to 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 move faster decision making when it comes to talent attraction, talent upskilling. Uh, who do we want to attract? Why do we want those people to work with us? And what can we offer them? Right now, the world uh, a work closely with recruitment actually. Younger generation right now is asking questions more and more often of why do they have to come and work for us rather than yeah selling themselves to us because they they have a choice they have flexibilities they have different different mindset in terms of expectations careers and stuff yeah what do you think about it do you think would you feel um hmm. that there is a generational difference how how would you and when it comes to reward and recognition yeah. You personally, as a representative of Gen Z, <laughs> okay. How, you know? How would you think of recognition? What What would be the perfect case scenario for you? Uh, from everything, from flexibility to salary to to all those models that we've discussed. What would be your perfect employer? What does he have to have to give you to come work for him? I think that for me, first of all because I am a lot into um, psychology and uh, trying to help people be the best version of themselves and um, have a good time in general, working on the well-being and everything. And that would be one of my major things that I'll even ask my employer and that would not come as a luxury to me, but as something which is just, just there, you know. That would be one thing. And then... Because the things are moving so fast, the layoffs are are happening, uh, things are not very stable. I would want that my, even my pay, because I don't think so, I would be able to, uh, you know, um, compromise anywhere. Because I have my own values, I know what I desire what I'm passionate about and that is what I will be looking forward that my employer uh, provides me with that is the kind of projects that my employer provides me with and plus the kind of pay that there is I can even not compromise on that so both of it will go hand in hand it is not one thing or the other for me and that is how I see my um and also because, you know, I have like, I have my podcast on uh, that I am really very, very happy to do all the time. Um, and I'm learning a lot of different skills because of that, not just as a business psychologist, but also as somebody uh, in, in tech and designing. Yeah. So those are also the skills that I would be if the organization needs, I'll, I'll bring those as well. You know, recognizing those things, that is what I feel uh, a employer for me would be. Oh, that's 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 very interesting insight. Thank you. And you're right. If you can learn all the skills and you find interest and peace in in what you're doing, as well as if there is a way to monetize things that you love, then it's true. Like some of the employers that are wide fashioned and yeah. difficult to turn 180 degrees will not be able to have access to a wider talent pool. Which would include people like you. So. Absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. even now that I see a lot of job descriptions till date, so there is something as CIPD, which is um for the HRs, a certification for the HRs. Yeah, I have and, it. Okay. <laughs> so that is that is something that yeah. companies look forward to. And yeah. when I see, I've gone through the course and everything. I'm not, I do not have the certification, but I've gone through the course and. I'm like, I have read about it. I have the knowledge about it. But the organization needs a certificate. Really? You said, well, I've, I've done it just purely for myself. My organization never requested it. I've um, had experience and I've uh, went through a um, 
employ, uh, experience assessment through it for a, a fellowship. So that's, okay. uh, I think, grade seven, level seven for mm. uh, uh, chartered um, professional um, in HR. But uh, yeah, no one has ever actually asked me. That's interesting. I, I did okay. know that sometimes it is actually a prerequisite of... Yeah, I, I have uh, talked to recruiters. I've read a lot of JDs. I mean, not every other... There are companies uh, which has preferred CIPD. Mm -hmm. There are companies of mandatory. Wow. And then there are companies who does not... They do not care about that. Really. Yeah. So now, since we are talking about uh, retaining people and the kind of rewards Gen X would want, uh, uh, can you think of some things that, you know... Uh, that you did to retain a good talent pool or uh, what do you think that is required to retain a good talent pool? Any any cases that you have come across or have been a part of? Um, yeah. yeah, there are actually a few, but I think as, you know, as simple as it sounds, you need to have empathy. So mm -hmm. uh, sometimes retention cases come to us on, well, it's, Obviously, retention is always an ad hoc case, right? Like it's mm -hmm. not like you are trying to retain as an entire business unit yeah. or unless maybe sometimes, of course, happens in some organizations. But normally you'd have a critical, critical skill or a critical uh, mm -hmm. employee that you cannot afford to lose. And then uh, right. a variety of retention mechanisms will come in place. Um, so empathy is actually really important. So normally, in in most of cases, employees would leave for a better salary and better pay elsewhere. Hmm. But interestingly enough, culture plays more and more significant role. However, if an employee has already decided to leave and was interviewing in some other organizations, so there are normally two main reasons. First one is a, a bad manager, bad culture, or something that is. Hmm. not really working well in terms of his personal career aspirations, such as right. maybe he didn't grow uh, by the career that is the last five years or he feels mm -hmm. like that his talents are being noticeable. And second one is the one that is much easier for us to fix is actually uh, cash needs. Yeah. Uh, and then if we do listen in, in, in constant communication with our employees, uh, we are able to... Um, obviously fix the problem mm. uh, sooner rather than later. But what we are doing right now, so in current organization, I um, I mean, I absolutely love some of our principles and policies is yeah. we are trying to, so we are in constant communication with our employees mm. and we know their personal circumstances. We know if their okay. kids are going to school or not going to school. We do know if, I mean, they feel open enough to tell us if there are any financial struggles. So we, we, we support all those things. There is no signs behind it just just listen to what your employees are saying you and make sure that you act before they go and waste all this time searching for another job especially those you know especially the critical ones searching for another job because like mm -hmm. when they're interviewing your productivity rates are, are dropping and in the end of the way you'll end up still retaining them if mm -hmm. the problem is cash so maybe help them out before it comes to the, uh, you know, it comes to the uh, to, to the point when uh, they are about to leave. Mm. Um, and the first one, when it's about culture and you are seeing a high attrition rate in a, a, some division, some team, or some country, mm. that's red flag that we all have to bear mm. upon because then if the attrition is due to some... Um, cultural um you know problems so then mm. it is so even um lately two three days back i was reading about reading article on financial well-being and by financial well-being and how corporates can you know provide it to the employees is again how you were mentioning that to know to understand and to openly talk about financial needs yeah. Uh, given the environment to the employees that, you know, if they are going through a crisis uh, in their personal life and they can openly talk about their financial issues if they have any. Yeah. So have you, have you personally, because you mentioned that empathy is something that is a key to understand people and retain them. So have you come across 
such cases where employees were because this is something that you know sure. people are a bit not okay sharing yeah that they are going through financial crisis something so have you have you come across such cases and um do you also see a generational thing in that mm. or so actually no not necessarily generational we have seen the cases obviously won't be able to mention examples just to protect the privacy okay. of of the people yeah. who have ever requested help but um yeah uh, it's it it it's unfortunately sometimes has to be a bit of a compromise because mm-hmm. if the organization doesn't have necessarily the funds to be able to help out as well and is the money stretched or i mean right now with the situation with you know is a situation is really difficult on the market so uh maybe today we are not in a position to help out as much as we were a couple of years ago in mm-hmm. the current organization but there are the ones as well I've seen, uh, but even but in the current organization, whatever there is a case of someone um, willing to see the family, we will go over and beyond, and we will do something to be able to help out. We are flexible with. It's not entirely has to be a case of um, uh, us financing um, any sort of trip. So giving employees cash whenever they're in financial scrutiny, we yeah. we could we could maybe review their jobs as well if they wanted mm-hmm. if we have an opportunity to give more to do for them to oh. earn extra as well so that's something we could mm-hmm. we could look into perhaps right if there is a budget for another role and we can see if we can mm-hmm. merge two roles and provide employee a better flexibility with salary so it's not just mm-hmm. throwing money into faces okay. right those people and the the other thing is like flexibility in terms of some of the benefits we've we've had a case recently where um, uh, one of our employees was not able to um, see the family for some time, and we uh, those employees that we reallocated, we offer um, uh, one ticket um, back home per year. So uh, yeah, it's it's, 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 yeah, but this is quite co- it's it's a common benefit here in Dubai, but obviously that's also a really nice one to make sure that at yeah. least like once a year, no matter what your um, financial saving status is you always have the ticket um, to go see your family and then um, our uh, employee was not able to leave the country for some administrative documents reasons so we've uh, let um, her uh, bring uh, her family over in exchange of the ticket so it was her mom so it was instead of her coming uh, to the country and coming back like her mom would come like using Mm -hmm. exactly the same ticket and it's it's nothing. Doesn't cost as much, and the employee was super thankful. So that that tells a lot about how, I mean, we call the employees an asset of the company, and human resources. It's not. It's so good to see that organizations are looking at those resources as as people, and going so deep, and helping them out with, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. For their their well being, whatever they could. So it's very very nice to know. And so you asked me about how I would see my perfect employer to be like. All right. Uh, what do you think for? So in your own case, what in rewards? How would you curate a reward for yourself, which you think would be the best suited for you? For me, yeah. I think it. Depends at what stage of life I am. So, for example, if I was planning a family, I would right. probably be really keen to know maternity policy. What's the pay like? Would I be able to get, I don't know, full pay or 90% of my pay for three months, for six months to make sure that I can take care of kids, right? So that it would be something important to me. Hmm. But then uh, I already have kids. So right now, uh, probably my, right now I'm working um tirelessly on upskilling myself, learning more, mm. uh, working harder, helping um, my organization to reach all other level and to be the employer of choice. Right. And while pursuing this, there are there is a lot of work that needs to be done. So my preferred reward in this case would be performance related reward. So okay. as long as uh, but again, so that not necessarily I can't speak on behalf of generation. I speak on on behalf of my personal case. Hmm. As long as I have my salary is fine, I can uh, live my life the way it is. Hmm. But what will make the difference for me 
reward-wise and recognition-wise is uh, my company recognizing my performance and mm-hmm. paying them in a variable component so that mm-hmm. I have received two methods of recognition cash-related, which yeah. is linked to a mm-hmm. more like a recognition of the fact that I've done everything I could to be able to bring the company where it should be. So for me, it would be a performance-related award. Think yeah. about this, like how we've, I mean, of course, and we're talking about, about like Ukraine and perhaps, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm mm. coming from a post-Soviet um, country, I'm originally Ukrainian, but uh, I, I I was born in independent Ukraine, but I do know that uh, back in the days, my parents and my grandparents, the way mm. they were recognized to pay, they were paid in coupons or vouchers. Really? Where you'd, yeah, you could, I mean, of course, there would be like a small cash elements, but because it was like a, a deficit of, of quite a lot of products that we uh, seem absolutely normal now, such as bananas, because it would have to be imported to us like from some other thousand countries. So if the bananas would arrive, it would be like once a week on the market, there would be large queues and some organization as a reward that give yeah. a voucher for a banana. Oh, or they would, so, right? Or uh, some of the other, um, you know, uh, so for, like for some other sort of, really simple things that today just like mm. sounds unbelievable is that it used to happen like 60 or 70 years ago right. and uh, maybe even like 50 years ago it was uh, yeah no you know what 40 years ago i do know for a fact that like my parents still do remember that period happening so when you think about like we could not long back then yeah so so this generation right now um is let's say all the generation and all those organizations who are about to retire mm. or maybe have already retired and right. after living through life which was not the life with so many choices that we are having right now yeah of course i think psychologically the psychological safety that is underpinned by money and yeah uh, yeah that, that's good exactly mm. oh, yeah. that's quite fascinating i mean i definitely did not know about the coffin <laughs> thing that is yeah. so so new and I'd come to the bull check, obviously, though, because like uh, yeah. that. Yeah, I'll, I'm saying this, but I, I definitely remember uh, seeing it, not every single organization, but like if you work in a more like a corporate, but again, that's Soviet Union, so that's not entirely uh, corporate. But yeah, some organization, so that was a reward. It was not a salary, so it was a reward. It's something wow. our organizations would stand out. Wow. Okay, that's. That's quite yeah. old now, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> at least at least in 40 years, we have removed. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, with the new hype thing, which is AI and technology yeah. changing and taking over, how do you think, you know, rewards, AI and technology can help rewards or will transition rewards in a way? So... Do you have any idea about how we can inculcate it or it yeah. can transform? Yeah. Um, well, I haven't seen. I haven't seen the technology yet. Oh, today that can help with some of those like craziest ideas on how can we um, pay people, how can we recognize them and reward. So, mm-hmm. on flexibility on perhaps tokenization. That's something. Um, that I also think is actually my, my third point of what I think will happen in the future. So tokenized rewards, I mean, like with all the cryptocurrency that's been evolving, and obviously mm-hmm. it's not, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert. I'm not sure, I'm not sure about the future of the cryptocurrency itself, but the ideas of cryptos or, or tokens actually uh, is being discussed in terms of how do we Im- basically apply this into rewarding people. So almost as... Uh, you are being paid in tokens that are linked to cash, like your, your cash, so your salary, that you can also afterwards exchange at a much better rate into some other goods or other services that you would normally use. So is it is it in talk? No, that's that's my idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing I make could make probably fail, right? That is that is the edgy you that I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel like that would be cool to have, right? Like, yeah. so if you have, and it's, I mean. It's a little bit exist in a way of like you could have maybe like a recognition platform in some organizations where it'd be like 
you've done a great project and I could give you either a voucher for $50 or yeah. um, if it, you can, uh, you know, use in Marks and Spencer or the, mm. uh, I'm not sure equivalent here in Dubai, but like some yeah. of those like Waitrose shop. Yeah, also Amazon voucher. Exactly, yeah. Um, and uh, so, but that one is is also like smaller amounts like i do okay recognition could go maybe up to like 500 dollars, but it's still it's a voucher it's a one-off yeah. but if your compensation can be swapped into tokens and then you could have a choice on where to spend the tokens at a discounted rates because in the end of the day we as organizations we already offer a lot of organizations offer a lot of you know like offer discounted rates and like restaurants service yeah. providers for their employees as a perk yeah but then if those perks could be linked to as well as the way we have been paid and then you just like you you collected enough tokens you exchange it you go and you buy something like bigger such as that that could be more interesting yeah so you know now that you're talking about like cryptocurrencies and tokens so if if even i want to get um cryptocurrency as a recognition i would be very interested in it because first off because again uh cryptocurrency rates always fluctuate it is not ever stagnant yeah so i would be more interested you know more um how would i say more invested into oh i'm gonna get a cryptocurrency <laughs> and then there's not like oh this, this is a really risky solution to pay people in crypto <laughs> like, i don't think the world is ready for it or ever will be ready but I think that there is something there, and what you're saying is absolutely right. So, first of all, it's fun. And yeah. Second of all, it's interesting. Third of all, if there is any tax benefit to it as well, especially in those like high tax countries, why not? And I'm not saying that, and I think we should, because if there is a benefit of me being paid, so if I know that I will have to spend 500 pounds this month on my grocery shopping and waitress, I might as well exchange this token directly into the waitress voucher without going through a payroll and paying 40% of my tax Ooh. on that 500 pounds, isn't mm -hmm. it? So, and again, I'm not um, I'm not discussing uh, this here as a tax expert or legal expert, yeah. Uh, yeah. but if there is a way of us finding mm -hmm. out how has it been, I think it will be much more engaging to maybe from the company expense uh, standpoint, it will be the same mm -hmm. because company still needs to uh, also like pay quite a quite high proportion for of, of employer costs, right, on right. the of the salaries. But if you can have a better tax treatment with the tokenizations, then why not? Yeah, absolutely. With like 40, 45% tax. Yeah. <laughs> what to do that? But knowing, knowing quite a lot of Western governments, I think all of that would be like capped straight away, like a lot mm -hmm. of legislation would be implied. Yeah. But hopefully not on the, the entire proportion, but hopefully tokens could still exist in, in our life and something like this can happen and we obviously need technology for this. Maybe it's something massive, but that would be cool, right? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I would love to be paid in tokens. <laughs> oh, my God. But, but do you not think, like, uh, if we take out the tax part, even money is the same thing. Money is a token to buy whatever you want to. Yeah, no, absolutely. But then you think about more like a global purchases and you can have like some so it's it's a token you could have like savings spots you could have like you select so you can take it's the same of course you can save this cash etc but then if you have variety of savings also options and without like withdrawing those tokens you can even within your organization keep them up for like three years until you save for a deposit for a house and stuff like yes, that so okay. it could be so many different options and whether the organization would want to open up like a um, actual financial management account or, mm -hmm. and, you know, like store it securely, securely for you, etc. So, and what you, when you mentioned about fluctuations, so, so public organizations, it's, it's quite similar, public organizations that offer equity plans, right? you'd have that sort of level of commitment, depending obviously on how much equity you have, but they're normally designed to help you feel, um, you know the the ownership of the company and to for you to be a bit more engaged into mm -hmm. company's performance because if you're being paid and if you're working amazon you have amazon stock you of course would be um very keen for amazon to succeed because then your stock will go up and it mm. will make you a little bit richer ah yeah 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 of course so 
So other than this, um, you talked about your rewards and recognition peer group 2050. And even with your edgy ideas, do you have anything else that you would like to share and add on uh, to the upcoming ideas or future of rewards and recogni uh, recognition? I think I share the views of um, Robin. He is a partner from Mercer and I've seen him speak um, quite a few times. He wrote this wonderful book about future jobs. Yeah. And um, that's actually something that I've already started implementing in my current organization. Okay. He, he tells that we need to decompose jobs into processes or tasks. Oh, and then what is that? Them again, but I've taken I've taken like a little bit different approach of it. Yeah, uh, from from that book. So decomposing jobs is like if I know that you have five different activities that you perform on daily basis. Okay, which is required, such as I don't know diary management. Maybe you have to draft a couple of articles. Let's say you're like a comms expert, right? Like then mm -hmm. you need to have calls to third-party market providers, etc. You'd have like normally quite a good prescribed list. Yeah. So from all those activities, mm -hmm. they all involve a selected number of processes. Right. So such as for you in order to draft an article internally, you need your first process is A, collect the data. Two, yeah. um, analyze the data. Three, uh, compare the data to make sure that there is no plagiarism with us publishing something and our competitors mm -hmm. four, five, six. So, mm -hmm. And all of this is like writing an article. You have like 10 different steps. So we can decompose you as your jaw mm -hmm. into all those different steps. And in order okay. to find efficiencies, we can compose all those like very similar admin-related uh, admin jobs, almost mm -hmm. like outsourced from your umbrella into somewhere else, such as so imagine your first step is data collecting. Yeah. I'm ahead of reward. I'm also collecting data, just different type of data, right. collecting compensation. Mm. Uh, the guys in finance also collect data. They need the financial ledger across all our companies. So right. if we collect so much data, mm. why don't we have someone who is a, 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 it sounds silly, but like the job that's called a data collector. Because okay. this is a, so we are consolidating that process and task under one umbrella and the person who collects the data, yeah. he will collect straight away in one go everything that is needed for me, for you, and for that financial analyst guy, for example. And then you think about the efficiency and then, then okay, second process, you need to do analysis. I need to do analysis, someone else. Okay, yeah. something something analytical. So we can compose. And this is actually goes to very much against current beliefs that hmm. people have to diversify their skills and they have to be able to perform jobs from A till Z. So, and it, it, it does goes a little bit against that logic that I told you where mm -hmm. they need to pay people for skills rather than yeah. jobs. Mm -hmm. But for the efficiency seeking, and I think this must probably happen in some organizations as an emergency plan, once you deconstruct those jobs and do you remove the processes that can actually be almost like outsourced or provide more efficiency, because imagine that there is this one person yeah. who is a data collector. In the end of the day, you don't actually need this to be a person. It's just, I want I want to show you this transition. This can afterwards be automated and there will be like a data collecting machine of, I don't know, program that actually does all of this on our behalf and we just like have to verify it. So the job got a little bit easier for three of us. We don't have to work with it. There is a program and then quite a lot of things will be able to be outsourced this way and automated. I just showed you the example with the person because it's just easier to digest oh, before telling you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's, you know, what I am thinking here is it's, it would not just be easier for every other department if there would be a technology to collect data, but also because there is a data collector, there is an analyzer. Yeah. It will bridge because the finance department is there doing their own data collection. The HI is doing their own the yeah, marketing. It is, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it will be so much easier to work towards the same organizational mission. Of course. And yeah, it will be so much. And you have data stored all in one place. And yeah, it's 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 just expensive to implement. And unfortunately, not every organization has the level of transparency that they're um, ready to commit to in order to proceed with the task because like finance team might not want like comms team to see what's going on with finance HR team yeah, okay. HR's team my data is confidential I don't want 
other teams to see how much everyone is paid, right? Because of this, I mean, a lot, some organizations are they still in minority numbers. Hmm. But then you know what? Although it's like it'll take a lot of time, but then organizations are being pushed to move towards t- transparency. Period in the salary because Gen Z is not taking it. I mean, like, if you are being hiding things from me, I am not going to work for you. Exactly. And with that, I think how although Chat GPT, it's it's not secure in a way. I mean, there's a lot of security. There would be a lot of security reasons, and our companies would not want to share their data. But then Chat GPT already has that that you can. Um, compile all the data together and then do the analysis from it. Yeah. So I think we are somewhat, the technology is somewhat already there. It's about the implementation exactly. and the security things. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I think I would have the last question for you now, <laughs> sure. which would be that um, if you were to suggest in general the worldwide global organization that how can you make your employees happier with rewards and recognition? What would... Just give them lots of cash. <laughs> that is bad. <laughs> no, I think I, I, I truly believe it's about trust, loyalty, mm. and empathy. Honestly, I don't think that they will, you know, uh, would you, would you leave your best friend for, you know, a bunch of money? I don't think so, right? Like, so if organizations have like a bit of like more family culture and you actually feel so well, so welcome, do you know that whatever crisis may happen to you in your life, organization is there to support you and yeah. to give you whatever you need, yeah. no matter what the pay. I'm telling you, I'm staying in this organization upon retirement. So the organization that gives me the security, the sense of family, the sense of the fact that I'm not going to be alone, that I'm not going to, that I will be heard, mm-hmm. that I'm not going to be, you know, left when when time is difficult. I, yeah. I'm staying at this organization. If the organization is throwing cash in my face instead of helping mm-hmm. me to sort out problems, I'm not staying in that organization. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I think. So, the, but yeah. broadly speaking, it is culture. That's but wonderful. Yeah, trust, loyalty, and empathy. That's what I think is. Mm. That's the key for the retention. So, so wonderful. And I think um, after COVID, a lot of people, because in the COVID, with things getting flexible, people going remote, people had more time to think over and follow that. Organizations actually showed their real faces during COVID, didn't they? Mm, that is that is so true. Depending on yeah. how did they treat employees and That's... how did they transition that entire COVID was hard for many people. And mm. empathy actually there, especially, I mean, I, I spent COVID in UK and um, yeah. uh, my organization actually was, uh, I, I was working back at Mercy's and was, they were very understanding. I had um, uh, twins who were um, basically critically, they were diagnosed that if they do have COVID, they will be critically ill. So we had to oh. isolate, yeah, for 12 weeks. And obviously yeah. in a flat in London, it was really difficult to work with me, my husband, constantly on a laptop and two little girls like running around. So, yeah. um, and the empathy and having like much more understanding, giving me more flex- flexibility in terms of time, letting me start working at six in the morning and then I stop working at nine for like a few hours and then I yeah. come back again at 2 p.m. online and then work till eight. Like mm-hmm. basically trying to, you know, accommodate, accommodate for the oh. departure and home stuff. Yeah. But I, I know that many other organizations, they've uh, helped into uh, in place transition, but uh, I do know of cases as well where it was just a, a nightmare. Uh, there was a um, company, a friend of mine, who worked back in London. They didn't mm. shut their office. They're like, well, we don't care. We have to continue making money. You go to the office. Like, okay. And it is a little bit sad. You are the only one in the office building. Yeah. You know, the cafes are closed. There is no mm. coffee place open. And it's just like, where is the point? Yeah. But yeah. now the, the point is going to the office is when everyone is there. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to do it. 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 You don't have to
so much fun. <laughs> we do. So I get so much fun writing it. And there have been so many insights, all the things from Gen Z to multi-generational to your own experiences to AI. This is this has been such such good time and thank you so much. I'm so glad that you came and you have shared your experiences, your knowledge with me. I have learned so much and I'm very sure that our listeners would have a gala time, would have <laughs> an amazing learning time listening to this. Awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me again. I had so much fun as well. And I think uh, now we spoke about coffee. Is it time for us to get a coffee? Oh, absolutely. We are getting right out right now. <laughs> Thank you so much. And there you have it. Another episode of Psych and Success. Back with insights and real-world advice on business psychology, Gen Z, evolving workplace dynamics, culture, AI, and so much more. If you want to stay ahead of the curve and dig deep into the fabric of modern work, you know what to do. Hit that follow button, share this podcast with your network and drop us a review on Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you tune in. Your feedback not only supports us but also helps us connect with more inquisitive minds like yours. By the way, if you're looking to get in touch with today's guests, I've got you covered. Check out the description for their contact details. And if you feel inspired to chat directly with me, about these compelling subjects, you can book a quick call through my Calendly or shoot me an email. All the links are in the description. This is your host, Kritika Kashyap, reminding you that the future of work is here and it's evolving fast. So let's explore it together. Until next time.